Hi, this is Richard Millington from Motorrad Tours, and I'm here with Andy Dukes for the next edition of Ride and Talk, the BMW Motorrad podcast. Greetings BMW Motorrad fans, Andy Dukes here and welcome to Ride and Talk where we're looking ahead to sunny days in the saddle, dry, grippy, twisty roads and lots of riding time. I'm talking about motorcycle touring of course and the sheer joy of experiencing new places together with other motorcyclists. Riding alone is all well and good but it's hard to beat group motorcycle touring as the perfect way to discover new horizons with like-minded enthusiasts. If like me, you lead a busy life and time is always tight then why not think about letting the experts help you plan the ideal road trip? Finding a tour operator who respects and understands the importance of your trip, one that has the right experience and team to ensure that your tour leaves you with unforgettable memories is paramount. Fortunately, BMW Motorrad has a select number of official travel partners, just a few companies throughout the world that can boast this approval. One of these is Motorrad Tours, Founder and Managing Director Richard Millington attended the BMW International Tour Guide Academy in 2014 to become the only UK certified BMW Tour Guide. His team has ridden over a million miles in countries from North to South Africa, from the top of the Americas to the bottom, throughout Europe as well as through Central and Southeast Asia, China, Russia, the list goes on. He tells Ride and Talk what it takes to deliver unforgettable experiences to customers with a passion for travel by motorcycle. Great to have you here, Richard. Welcome to Ride and Talk. Just tell me how you got into this business. Uh, well, I've been riding since uh, since I was a nipper, really, since I was 14, 15 on a field bike, um, really riding uh, road bikes in Europe. Then I have to say I'm a, I'm a child of the long way round generation. I got inspired and uh, went off to Morocco with four friends on GSs and suddenly realised there was a massive world of riding out there I'd missed out on. Um, Rode from the top of Alaska to the bottom of Argentina over five months on a trip. Found myself back there two years later as the tour leader with a group of 15 customers. Um, spent a bit of time working with Saipavia and then for the last seven years uh, I've been the, uh, the founder of Motorrad Tours, uh, running BMW's tour programme out of the UK and throughout Europe. Interesting what you're saying about being inspired by Long Way Round, and you obviously come into contact with hundreds, if not thousands, of BMW riders, GS and otherwise. How many of them have been inspired in the same way? I don't know. I mean, it's such a massive thing that so much in the culture, um, in the culture of adventure biking. You know, adventure motorcycling has been around for years, but Long Way Round really sort of brought it to the to the masses. It's great. They did a great job. So how does one become a BMW Certified Tour Guide? You have to be qualified in the International Tour Guide Academy in Germany. Um, And part of that programme is there's a a whole load of standards you have to meet in terms of financial stability and higher bike offering and and all sorts of stuff. But you also have to qualify at the ITA Academy, which is a nine-day course in in Munich and roundabouts and is um, is pretty severe I have to say um, it was a long time before then that I'd spent so much time revising for exams there were uh, I think four or five multi-part exams you've got to pass each one of those there's practical stuff there's first aid training there's uh, a day at the Hecklingen off-road school there's mechanical training and then the last two days are all testing so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty tough program to get through the door on and it's all about managing customer expectations of the brand ultimately though absolutely it, you know there's a lot of brand knowledge there's a lot of uh, stuff about experience um, but yes it's about making sure that anybody who has been given the privilege of of working with BMW and and having that badge 
lives up to the expectations of the brand and, and looks after the customers in a way that BMW would expect. And is it also that as a, an official travel partner, you're part of a, a worldwide family, effectively, that, that people can have confidence in that badge, in that stamp, wherever they may be planning to go or pay for a, a tour package in the world? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, it's a pretty exclusive club. There's there's not a lot of people there, and uh, it's uh, you know it's not something that's open to uh, any and every tour company. They're they're very carefully selected. But we work with travel partners in in South America and North America and and Southeast Asia, and and we all meet a certain set of sort of minimum standards. And they work with us. So when they're you know they're bringing customers to the TT here, we've got bikes that they use. We it's it is a bit of a family, but it's um uh, I I've always thought of it as more of an, a, a club than a family. I don't know why, but yeah, it, it is, and it's uh, it's about having that absolute standard in for for everybody and giving them confidence because you know the, some of these trips can be expensive, um, and you need confidence that you know you're going to get what what it says you're going to get, and uh, and you're going to have a great time. So why is it worth paying then for the services of a BMW-approved travel partner? It depends what you want to get out of a tour. You know, for some people, independent travel is is the only way. Uh, but for a lot of people, there's a great benefit to, to having the hassle taken out of it, to the social experience as well. Um, you know, the, the uh, organised tours save you so much time. You've had the experience, you've been off travelling yourself. And all that research, all that work, and those days when you do travel independently, where you have a day and you think, ah, it was, you know, it was nice to be here, but it wasn't the best road. Well, we go and do all that for you and find the best road and go back and rewrite it and rewrite it till we've got the route, you know, spot on, and, and there's no wasted time. So there's a, there's a huge amount of benefit from going with a a really good tour company. In terms of personal favourites, what do you like to ride and why? Personal favourite for me is really easy and um, and not particularly surprising for me. GS Adventure, twelve fifty GS Adventure. But uh, for the benefit of the listeners, I am six foot five, which is two meters and something, with a very long inside leg. Twelve fifty GSA seat set on high, set of bar risers. That's it. I'm I'm done. I, I'm I'm a really happy guy. Have to say, the bike that surprised me most recently. Uh, was we do some you know easy paced relaxed touring stuff in Europe and we uh, we put a bagger and a Grand America on the fleet and for me that's just not anything I, I came off sports bikes I've ridden touring bikes I've ridden adventure bikes I've never done the cruiser thing and I rode the bagger because you know it was there and and I have to say I was like I don't want to like this bike but I just loved it it was such a great experience you know, it, it, okay, it doesn't do half the things a GSA will do, but boy, what it does, it just puts a smile on your face. It was, yeah, I, w- I was definitely a reluctant convert, but I was an absolute convert. It was so much fun. And it's interesting that you said that you rode that in Europe because obviously it's aimed at the American market and it makes a lot of sense when you're riding something like that in America, but even within Europe, it works well too. It works well, but, you know, with bikes, where they make sense doesn't really matter. It's an emotional thing, isn't it? Do I need a GS Adventure for 80% of the stuff we do? Do I need that extra fuel tank capacity? Do I need the spoke wheels? Do you know what? Most of the time, the answer is no. Do I want it? Yeah, absolutely. I love it, you know. So, yeah, bikes are more emotional. I drive a very sensible car. I I don't have to have a sensible bike. I want the bike that I want. So... If you can not mention GS Adventure in the answer to this next question, what makes the perfect touring bike? What must it have, in your opinion? Perfect touring bike comfort, comfort, reliability, um, are, are sort of the 
the broad strokes for me what makes a perfect bike in in sort of more detail is it's got to be shaft drive i'm sorry i got over adjusting chains too long ago it's got to have tubeless tires i want to be able to fix a puncture as i go and not have to rip the wheel off and get a tube out um it's got to have lots of torque lots of down down low grunt because you know for touring that's that's what you really want ultimate power is is something you use very 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 occasionally but yeah, I have to say comfort and reliability um, are the two sort of big concepts. But yeah, chains, I'm over chains. What about the latest technology on BMW bikes especially? How much of a difference has this made, do you think, to riding pleasure and comfort? That's a really interesting question because for me, I, I, am, I am a bit of a techie. I do like my, my, my gadgets, uh, but I'm also quite a simplistic rider um, in that, I'm not I'm not particularly fussy about tires and you know I get on a bike and ride it and love it and enjoy it um and I I think the point is that a lot of the good technology you don't notice you know you if 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 it's intruding on what you're doing and you're feeling it and you're realizing it's there it's sort of gone wrong whereas I think you know all the all the traction stuff and all the ABS a lot of the time it's doing stuff you don't know. And, and when I used to do a bit of work with Cy Pavey at the off-road school here in the UK, when the the, the latest generation of traction control um, technology came out, it made a massive, massive difference off-road. And when you tested it and really saw what it was doing, you appreciated it. A lot of the time on the road, you're not appreciating it because it's doing it and you're not noticing. Um, for me, I think the biggest uh, biggest technological advance at the moment and this is pretty sad is is tft um because that big speedo that i can read without putting glasses on is fantastic and the fact it's a real simple thing really but the fact you can switch it into kph and miles per hour for us is a real biggie so it took um first one of the first bikes we had with tft a few years ago 1200 gsa rally we took out and did a seven week trip around southeast asia on and landed turned it on to K- kph for the for the tour you know and and probably a thing that's quite unique to uk riders and uh, us riders but for the so much the rest of the world kph is kph everywhere but for us that's that's great you know not having to do that maths in your head and not having to look at the policeman and go hang on a minute so i'm doing 60 miles now so that's that's 101k oh okay i'm all right you know yeah i mean it's interesting what you're saying about not noticing things but it's a bit like not noticing your own kids growing taller and and because you see them every day but if for example you got on a 1998 um rt and then compared it side by side with the latest model i think you'd probably be blown away but back in 1998 you'd have still been saying i don't think that you can improve much on this bike in terms of a, an all-round touring machine because yeah. it was fantastic at the time so when you think about things like tft if you think about the connectivity if you think about the functionality if you think about how the the electronics have made a massive difference potentially to to the reliability as well um there are a hell of a lot of changes oh huge absolutely huge you know and and one of the changes which i, I think you know is, is technology but the one that is so notable and, and you know i'm just thinking back to this asia trip that we did we had two people on 1150 gsa's fantastic bikes super reliable boy, oh boy, go and try and put one of those on the centre stand. You know, compared to the current GSA, they weigh a tonne, you know. And at the time, they were a big, heavy bike, but relatively now, they seem to be enormous. They, they rode those bikes. They had a fantastic time. Did, they, did I have a better time than them? 
now I'm sure not. But I tell you what, I've, I'd still much prefer to be on that 12, 1200 GSI I was on then, and I'd prefer to do it again on a 1250. But you can tour on any bike, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we, you know, we have a massive range of tours. We run about 45 tours a year, everything from a long weekend in Europe to seven-week trips. Um, and we've had people come on C600 scooters, two up, because um, they've got an immense amount of luggage capacity under the seat, you know, um, to lots of GSAs, RTs. And we have people coming on other makes a bike, which is fantastic because we draw them into that that BMW environment, uh, you know. And uh, inevitably, uh, we we end up converting a lot of those people to uh, to the right side of motorcycling. Try and put into words what makes touring in a group such a memorable experience. I think you know there's the obvious benefits, the obvious benefits of good research beforehand, good planning, and experience and knowledge which we can share with people. Um, but I think one of the big things is it's a great social environment. By its very nature, you know, if you book a tour to us in Morocco, for instance, everybody else who's booked it wants to go to Morocco, likes BMW, and guess what? 99.99% of the time, everybody gets on because you've got shared interest and shared motivation. Any relationships, strong relationships, long-lasting relationships that have been formed as a result of people meeting on your tours? Um, I don't think we've had a marriage yet. Um, we, we've uh, we definitely had. I mean, you know, personally, my uh, my and my partner's best friends. Uh, we, we met on tour fifteen years ago in Thailand, riding twelve hundred GSs through Thailand for two weeks, and we've been best friends ever since. Um, we have had some some good ones. We had a, a couple of guys book uh, motorad days a few years ago. Um, who shared a very Irish surname, booked from Ireland with the same town. So we assumed they were together and put them in shared rooms because they'd booked shared rooms. They'd never met. They'd never met. And uh, these guys now book tours together and they're mates and they ride together, but they just sort of, they're, they're not related. And we call them the not brothers because we assumed they were brothers. And they went, no, no, we've never met. They're not brothers. They're not brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so what about BMW riders then? Are, are they any different? What makes them different from other motorcycle riders? Are BMW riders different from other motorcycle mm, That's an interesting one. I'm, I'm not sure we're different. I think we're possibly more discerning. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure we are particularly different from other riders. I think, I think it's quite interesting about brand loyalty and the way that works in that um, certainly we've got a lot of customers who are, who are just BMW through and through. We do a lot of work with, in America. We go to the rallies there. We have a lot of American customers. And certainly in the US, they seem to, you know, people who've got a BMW almost certainly got another brand of bike. Um, and, and, you know, there's things that BMW don't make. People have got dirt bikes. They, you know, uh, previously they've had the big cruisers, you know, but hmm, that's going to change shortly, I think. Um, they can they can stick with one brand and have a big cruiser pretty shortly. But um, I'm not sure we are particularly different. I think we're definitely a bit more discerning. Uh, I think uh, those people appreciate the technology and, and, you know, the cleverness of the bikes. But I think motorcycling's a great leveller. And do you have customers coming on your tours who don't ride BMs who are then converted as a result of that? Loads, yeah, we, we, we do. We, we have lots of people, uh, you know, we, we always ride BMW, we always hire BMW, so if we are going to Columbia or whatever, we, we will only go places that, um, that we can put people on BMWs. But we welcome uh, all makes of bike on tour, you know. We, we're very happy for people to come along and, and they get exposed to a load of people who uh, are riding BMWs because the majority of people are on BMWs. And it, it's definitely a, a conversion happens there. Um, 
you know, we, we took a, a lovely uh, couple to Alaska a couple of years ago. Steve and Libby spent three weeks riding on a on a twelve hundred GS, and guess what? He comes back and buys a twelve hundred GS rally. Um, off he comes to Morocco with us last year. We put him on a twelve hundred GS with um, uh, with a TFT. You never guess what? He's gone and bought one with a TFT now because his eyesight's as bad as mine. Or because the TFT is a, a, a damn fine piece of equipment. It could be that, of course, yes. It's brilliant, but yes, you can also see it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a glamorous lifestyle, what you do, but I know how hard you work. Uh, and the reality is that looking after a group of riders thousands of kilometres from home can have its challenges. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's not just me. We've got a, a team of 15 guys, and I couldn't be more proud of the team we've got. We have a very lengthy and rigorous selection process. I was going to ask you how you select your tour guides because I noticed a lot of uh, former um, forces riders in there and I'm presuming that they're the best riders in the world. Um, they will tell you they are, definitely. All, all, the ex, all the ex-police guys we've got will definitely tell you they're the best riders in the world. Um, we, uh, we get probably two applications a week to be a tour leader and um, we have a fairly standard response that says, that's great, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Could you... Send us your CV and your riding CV, and uh, you need at least 10 years riding experience, at least 10 years travel experience. You need to come with a first aid qualification. You need to come with a ROSPA, which in the UK is the equivalent of the police sort of qualification for riding, um, and then tell us why you want to be a tour leader. That roots out about half the people, and you, they just think they're applying for a free holiday. Um, out of the 50 or so that's left, we interview 10 or 15 a year. And then we have once a year we run a training and assessment centre, which is four or five days, and it's a it's a proper three hundred and sixty degree training and a, assessment uh, process where all the existing tour leaders are feeding back on all the toucans as we call them tour guide candidates, and uh, and all the toucans get the feedback. If we take four or five people to that, we may get one or two that we put on a training tour. If we get two on a training tour where they go out with a tour leader, we may get one. Um, last year we got one out of yeah maybe a hundred applicants, and um, yeah we we are super proud of the, proud of the guys and their their qualifications their experience. It is a tough job, you know. Everybody says, oh, you're on holiday all the time, and yeah, there are times when you're riding along in Thailand or Colombia or you know, and you're thinking this is the best job in the world. And don't get me wrong, this is the best job in the world, but it is a job. Because you're riding along, you think, hmm, photo opportunity, where's the next coffee stop, hotel tonight, where are we going for dinner, need to check this, need to check that. Your head's running at 100 miles an hour all the time, but you are still riding a bike through Vietnam and it is still a job. It's the best job in the world. Yeah, like you say, you've ridden all over the world. What would you say are your top three destinations and why? Top three destinations, yeah, that, that that's a really interesting one. Always the next place is, is is at the top of the list because I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we've spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand over the last three years. Vietnam was really high on my list and having ridden it three, four times now, four times I think, it, it's just fantastic. It's an incredible country. Um, people are great. The riding are great. Um, the riding is great. When you, in the north of the country, Dong Van Cast Plateau is just it's otherworldly. It feels like something out of uh, out of a James Cameron film. Um, really looking forward to going back to Central America this year. We've got a new tour: um, Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Honduras. Guatemala was a place where, when uh, I first rode there with Karen, my partner, we we sort of sat there and said we could live here, you know. 
why I couldn't tell you. It's really poor. Um, it's got quite poor corruption record. Uh, the people are lovely. The the place is beautiful. They're friendly. It's just a really welcoming, fantastic place. And yeah, Guatemala's high on the list. Vietnam, I'd say, was still high on the list. Um, and Patagonia, I suppose. You know, that sounds really glib, Patagonia, I suppose. Patagonia is just just an, a, a perennial favourite. Um, it's one of the last true wilderness motorcycling uh, opportunities, certainly in the Americas. Um, big distances, the, the Patagonian steppe is incredible, the Argentinian Lake District is incredible, and of course it doesn't help that you've got some of the best wine and some of the best steaks in the world on tap, uh, which yeah is, uh, is pretty awesome. And of course, these places that you're describing, they're, they're a long way from home if, if you live in Europe, if you live in the UK. But there are some amazing adventures to be had also a lot closer, you know, even in your backyard. Absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, there's all the big, exciting names if you're European. But 80 uh, percent uh, of what we do is is European touring. Um, there's still loads of stuff to do here from uh, from, you know, riding up into the Arctic Circle in Norway down to Andalusia. You know, Andalusia is a riding paradise year round really because of the weather um eastern europe um into uh, into the, some of the incredible cities out there there's tons of stuff to be done here bob one of our tour leaders you ask him where his favorite place to ride is he's been all over the world with us he still puts scotland down in his top three every time and so should i really i absolutely love it and it's relatively on the doorstep so what, where have you still got on your bucket list then we're sitting opposite a huge map of the world and, uh, you know, I find it impossible not to look at it and think about the places that I haven't been to yet that I'm going to go to, hopefully. What I love about that map of the world we're looking at is it's topographical, so you can see all the mountains, you can see the Rockies, you can see the Andes, you know. We're, we're still on my bucket list, loads and loads of places. I have to say, New Zealand's high on my bucket list, uh, you know. Um, it might not be exotic to some people, especially if you're in New Zealand, but it just looks like, a paradise for riding and i've never been that's high on the list um like to spend some more time in in south america colombia is a, is a favorite but i uh, i'd like to spend more time doing uh, amazon stuff in in honduras and, and more time in bolivia i've always got an ambition to do a top top to bottom africa um that's quite difficult in terms of uh, in terms of travel advice and and there's there's some difficulties there because you know, as an independent traveller, there are some things you can you can do and you can take a little bit of a flyer on, whereas we won't. Bhutan, definitely on the list. You know, we've looked at UAE and Dubai. Again, you know, people might not think of those as as maybe great riding destinations, but actually if you if you know where to look and you you know who you know, you do some decent research and there's a lot of history there, there's a lot of fascinating stuff. It it's yeah, you know, it's the the world is your oysters, a very old uh, old cliche, but there's, there's loads of places to go. And and I think the sad thing is sometimes people tick off countries and, and, and that's not what it should be about. You know, we you, you hear about the people who do these, you know, huge round the world trips in, in days and weeks and whatever. And there's a great achievement to that. And it's fantastic. But, you know, I was listening to, uh, to your interview with Rosie, who spent six, eight months in Pakistan. You think, fantastic, you know, and, and she will have scratched the surface, you know. There's still so much to see, and we talk about great riding somewhere, but there's always more stuff to, to find and go back to. For people who come on your tours, is there also the opportunity to try other BMW bikes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we've, got a, we've got a fleet of bikes. Um, they're all the latest model BMWs. Um, 
And we get lots of people who, who do exactly that. We've got riders who, you know, they're, they're daily bikers and S1000 RR. They want to come somewhere that actually an RT or a GS would be a better bike. They try them. We get a lot of people renting bikes to try them. You know, they've done the road test with a retailer, but they think, oh, you know, I want to try it for a week. And actually, come and try it for a week. You'll you'll certainly know you want the bike after a week. Um, but yeah, we, we've got bikes available, BMW bikes available on every tour we run. There's a higher bike option. What about you? Can you still ride for pleasure on your own? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm t- totally. In fact, uh, I love riding on my own, but I love riding with with groups as well. It's um, being a, a tour leader is actually a really vicarious pleasure. There's 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 great fun in it. But yeah, I, I just love riding bikes. You know, if there's an excuse to go and ride a bike to to go somewhere, I'm definitely as much of a traveller as I am a motorcyclist. You know, I, so I've been riding since I was fourteen, fifteen, um, and I still get as much pleasure out of it today, but I, I love traveling on a bike and yeah, totally. I get, get that fun on my own, but there's also, there's a great thing, you know, if you're, we, we, we have a, a little hotel we stay in in Morocco next to Ape Ben Hadou, the ancient Khazar. And when you park, you can't see the Khazar and the veranda overlooks it. And there's a great pleasure that you get as a tour leader of people getting off the bikes. You saw before you unpack, you walk them around the corner and they look at this view and their their jaws drop and you think, yeah, that's what I did the first time. And sh- sharing that pleasure is just, yeah, it's fantastic. Superb. And finally, where can people find Motorrad Tours? Uh, you can find us uh, You can find us at lots of shows, but of course you can find us on the wonderful world of the web at motorrad-tours.com and on all those social media platforms that uh, everybody's on these days. Brilliant. It's been lovely talking to you. Just on a final note as well, do you get a lot of customers who aren't based in the UK, so customers from all over the world coming on your tours because they've heard about you? Yeah, absolutely. Our, our, our customer base is worldwide. A lot, lot of American, a lot of Australian, quite a few South Africans, and quite a few Europeans, although we'd love to have more Europeans uh, uh, travelling with us. Because, we, you know, we, we whilst we're based in the UK and we do some stuff in the UK, in Scotland and Ireland uh, and to the TT, we have tours starting in in Barcelona, in Malaga, in Prague, in uh, Munich, uh, you know, and of course uh, non-European, Colombia and Alaska and all over the world. So yeah, we we have customers from all over the world, which is uh, which is fantastic. Brilliant! Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You've inspired me. I'm going to plan my next tour for 2021. Thanks for uh, talking to us, Richard. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Richard. It's a tough job, but someone has to do it, eh? Checking out towns and villages, roads and trails, hotels and restaurants to put together the perfect tour. That's a thing though. Different people want different things from their holiday. For some, it's exploring the remote wilderness of Patagonia on a GS. For others, it's sipping Chianti from a hotel balcony on the shores of Lake Como, or scraping the pegs around the Alps or Pyrenees. If you've got big ambitions but are short on time for planning your touring holiday, then why not leave the legwork to the professionals like Motorrad Tours, who can plan the ideal getaway based on your requirements. With travel restrictions lifting, it's time to get excited about maybe touring again. There is still time to ride in 2020, and who knows where you may be riding next. Keep your dreams alive and see you on the road again soon. Bye for now.